Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Our support, our prayers, everything go to the incredibly courageous Ukrainian people. And one of the things this has shown is that um, Europe and the U.S. are absolutely unified in this. Um, we will we will give Ukraine all the help that we can, um, short of getting involved in a you know in a war in in Europe. But um, but you know your your courage has has been a a model for the rest of us and for the rest of the people in Eastern Europe, for the rest of the countries who are members of NATO, it has shown NATO's resolve to honor Article 5, which says an attack on one is an attack on all, and it should give um, Putin and the rest of his thugs uh, some pause before, uh, before attacking a, a NATO country. Last week, you published an op-ed in The Hill about the situation in Ukraine. Can you sort of reiterate the argument that you made there? Yeah, the, the reason, one of the reasons that Putin went into Ukraine and one of the reasons Putin has so much leverage, or the reason Putin has so much leverage over Europe, is they depend on him for oil and gas. And my argument is that the way to undermine Putin is to get the world off oil and gas, particularly Europe and the United States, uh, move to alternatives. Uh, number one, uh, it, would, it would take away Putin's main source of income. More than 40% of Russia's uh, budget comes from their sale of oil and gas. Um, Two is it makes economic sense. I mean, alternatives are way cheaper now than oil and gas. And three, um, this is a national security issue for Europe, but it's also a national security issue for us. I mean, I moved the Navy and Marines mostly off of fossil fuels as a warfighting measure. I mean, the, the fact that it doesn't matter how much oil and gas the United States produces internally because the, the price is set on the world market. And the thing that makes oil and gas go up is instability, is, um, is fear and uncertainty, that is, which is what you're seeing now. And we need to cut that, uh, cut that link. Now, in the very short term, we need to do whatever it takes to get Europe off of Russian oil and gas um, and to help Ukraine. But um, most European countries have figured this out. They are, um, most European countries are getting between a fourth and a third of their energy now 
from alternatives, mainly solar and wind, but they need to speed that up. And so does this country. Uh, we need to cut the dependence on fossil fuels for strategic reasons like this, but also for climate change issues. Um, climate change is a national security issue. And if we don't act and act pretty dramatically, um, really, really bad things are going to happen within the lifetime of people who are working today. I want to dig a little bit deeper into this idea of short term and long term, which comes up multiple times in your piece. The question I suppose I have for you is you note that oil is set globally and that small changes in supply and demand really only bear out in terms, you know, in terms of meaningfully affecting the price of oil in the very long term. If your argument is that the best way to diminish the power of Putin in Europe is to reduce Europe's dependence on Russian oil, are there quicker and more uh, perhaps uh, uh, surgical ways to achieve this in the short term? Again, because we're in the midst of an active crisis. Uh, you know, I could see some people saying, well, it's great to talk about renewables, but in the short term, perhaps the ship has sailed on that. He's made his move. He's in Ukraine. Is it too late? Um, well, number one, no, it's it's not too late to to move very aggressively on it. Um, but number two, in the very short term, um, getting Europe, you know, un until they make that uh, complete transition, you know, getting Europe liquefied natural gas from from the U.S. Um, or from from the Mideast is, um, you know, to, to take Europe's um, dependence on Russian oil and gas away. Um, you know, I know that Germany is talking about keeping, I think they've got four nuclear plants left. They're talking about they were going to take them offline, keeping them online for, you know, a few more years until that, Depend, you know, until until the alternatives uh, arrive, but you can move to alternatives. I mean, this is a well. It's sort of a a self defeating argument to say, well, we can't do this because it's too late. Um, it's you've got to do you've got to do some short, very short-term things now because he's in Ukraine. But to keep Putin or his successors, I mean, it may not be just Putin, um, from, from doing this again. I, I mean, one of the things I quoted in my article was Putin was so uh, confident and cocky that he said, look, you know, Europe is completely dependent on us for for energy, even if they burn firewood, they're going to have to buy the firewood from us. And so if you want to cut Putin off at the knees, move to alternatives. Now, again, the very short term, and I'm talking about, you know, while, while he is pursuing this horrific war, but you can, you can move to alternatives pretty pretty fast. 
and if there's a one or two year uh, transition period that's needed. But what we don't have is, you know, oh, we need 10 more years or we need to, you know, it really doesn't matter how much oil and gas the U.S. produces internally um, for in terms of, of our energy independence. Because the price, as we've just seen, because the U.S. is producing, it's a net exporter now of, of oil and gas. doesn't matter in terms of price. Uh, and now we're talking to Venezuela about producing, you know, about getting us some oil and, oil and gas. So for just a myriad of reasons, we just got to get off. We just got to get off oil and gas. Uh, it may take, yeah, we don't have the luxury of a lot of time, but we do need to do a short-term thing for Europe um, while we're waiting. Thinking about the short term, you are the former ambassador to Saudi Arabia, of course, the most oil-rich country on the face of the earth. What is Saudi Arabia's role in this? Well, one of the reasons I'm so for alternative energy is I saw the power of oil when I was ambassador to Saudi Arabia and how uh, not only is the supply control, but the price is as well. And Saudi could, I mean, you're right, they have the largest reserves, or one of the largest reserves out there. Um, they, um, I think they and OPEC have kept production pretty flat. If they wanted to um, take a, a really active role, they could ramp up production uh, pretty quickly because it's uh, the the expansiveness is several million barrels a day that they could the extra the extra capacity but uh you know while you may need to depend on them for this immediate crisis one of the things that you really don't need to that America and Europe and the world really doesn't need to continue to be dependent on oil and gas from anywhere, uh, the, the Middle East in, in particular. You mentioned just how important oil and gas is to the Russian economy. You mentioned how intrinsically connected it is to Russia's military might. If things go as you hope, if the West aggressively gets out of the oil and gas industry, starts relying really heavily on renewables, what does the Russian economy, what does the Russian military look like in, say, a decade or however, you know, whatever stands of time you think is appropriate to sort of come back and reevaluate? What does this actually do to Russia? Well, it takes, as I said, right now, um, more than 40 percent and maybe as much as half of the entire Russian governmental budget comes from oil and gas. So they have, they really have no place to replace that. It is a, uh, that's the only resource they have in terms of, you know, uh, of, of, of how their economy works and how their military, the, the amount of money that their military has. So if you move aggressively, um, you give them really nothing to fall back on 
and um, which I think would mean a, a far less aggressive Russia and a far less, I mean, their, their military has shown that it's not that capable anyway, but uh, Russia has poured a lot of money into that. And the third thing, um, a lot of the money that they're getting from oil and gas is is being stolen you know, by this kleptocracy, by the oligarchs and by Putin and his and his buddies. Um, cutting that off may may bring Russia closer into the uh, family of normal nations where it where we would hope it would be. You were once the U.S. Navy secretary. Can you offer any insight into what military leaders in the U.S. are thinking watching this unfold and perhaps what they're telling the president at this point in time? You know, I get the same information now that everybody else does from uh, from the news that I watch. Uh, but, you know, the, the American military is uh, incredibly capable. Uh, they are at a very high state of readiness. But I think the Biden administration in this last um, crisis over Ukraine has really done an amazing job in terms of keeping NATO together, in terms of keeping democracies together, because we've got Switzerland and uh, we and we've got Sweden and Finland participating. They're not members of NATO. Japan has uh, has announced sanctions of its own. Um, so has Singapore. Um, Australia, countries around the world are isolating Russia. And uh, so, number one, I think that they've done a a great job in terms of of keeping the world glued together and united against this aggression um, in um, of, of Russia in Ukraine. But number two, I think they've also done a good job of when Putin raised his nuclear alert status um, to the about the highest level you can, that we did not respond, that we didn't give him a um, some pretext to to attack, saying that he was afraid of a nuclear war. Um, now I think that the nuclear stuff is has to be taken seriously because Putin seems to be sort of unhinged. And um, but the the West, I think, and the Biden administration in particular has done a great job in keeping uh, keeping this from spilling over and uh, triggering a much wider, um, much, m- much more destructive conflict. 